0: Oh, hello and welcome to More Than Money, a show that explores the psychology, emotions and math of money so you can make better, smarter choices regardless of where you fall on the income and wealth spectrums. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmins. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the history of money. I know we could talk for hours, but we don't have that much time. We just have minutes. So, consider this the very extreme Cliff Notes version of Guns, Germs, and Steel, which, by the way, if you haven't read that book, it is a really good book, very long, but very good. And admittedly, I too have not finished it. But it is a wonderful uh, recap of this, you know, history of civilization. And from my perspective, you can't talk about civilization without talking about the role of money in our evolution. And when we talk about the role of money, one of the things that I think we need to kind of tap into is that the value that people place on money has very little to do with the physical value of money, especially when you consider that the physical form of money has changed as history has moved on. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about um, history through the lens of major shifts and really kind of hone in on shifts from the last 30 to 40 years. As we're talking about those shifts, really see how they have um, impacted how you and I interact with money on an individual basis, how we interact with money on a collective basis, and how all of that really comes together to help me make a case for the focus of this podcast, which is exploring the psychology, the emotions, and math of money, which from my perspective is truly the equation that that leads to financial success. So let's talk about History of money from first the mechanical standpoint, and let's travel you know 6,000 years or so back in history and time and think on the fact that back then the major currency was barter and trade. So let's say you had a cow and I needed a cow, and I had a goat and you needed a goat, and we just happened to meet each other at the precise time that we both needed our respective animals, we exchanged. But what that required was that we were connecting with one another at precisely the right time that we each respectively had what the other one needed. And yet for many, many years, (laughs) thousands of years, bartering was the primary form of currency, of you being able to get the goods and services that you needed and vice versa. So then we shifted from currency being in the form of Goods, if you will, animals, weapons, and things of that nature, to currency now being first in the form of coins and then eventually into paper. And so, coins and paper, you know, that's how we currently review, you know, re- refer to currency today. And think about just how that shift really kind of expanded the capacity regarding with whom you could do business and how frequently and where. Now, in addition to coin and paper, we have credit cards, we have mobile payments, we have virtual currency, and the last two, mobile payments and virtual currencies, those have really, really blossomed and take you know, taken off in the last decade. And notice how with the advent of credit cards, mobile payments and virtual currency, not only does it expand with whom you can do business, but also how and when. So now you're not confined to only getting to that store before it closes at 6 p.m. Now, if you want to, if they have a website, you can buy what you need to buy at 3 a.m. in the morning. And another thing that I want to add on to these major shifts is the fact that for many years, it was really kind of one and done. You buy something, you go on your merry way. You do it the transaction once. But now, a lot of what we do is subscription-based. We are really living in a subscription economy. You look at your banking statement, you look at your credit card statement, and I bet you will have at least three, if not even more, line items that are subscription driven. Netflix, Amazon Prime. And if you are an entrepreneur or business owner like me, then you definitely have a lot of subscription uh, expenses because a lot of the vendors with whom we do business, that's their primary business model understandably so. (laughs) Um, But those are just some of, you know, high level major shifts that have happened with regards to the history of money from the mechanical side. So now let's look at the last 30 to 40 years and hone in on what are some of the things that have occurred socially, economically, politically that impacts how you and I invest and how you and I work. And let's focus on mutual funds. And the reason that I'm focusing on mutual funds is that the majority of us probably invest in mutual funds in some way, shape, or form, especially if you are participating in your company's retirement plan, whether it's a 401k or 403b, or if you have an IRA or something along those lines. But here's the thing, mutual funds. In 2017, which is the last year, or the most recent year for which I could get some data, there were 100 million individuals who were investing in mutual funds. That 100 million number represents 45% of U.S. households. That's 2017. As compared to in 1980, when the percentage was 5.7% and I think that the reason for that dramatic growth in who owns mutual funds corresponds to a shift in how we invest from the standpoint of for many years the way that we invested was that really your employer took care of your investments and they took care of preparing for retirement and they did that through a defined benefit plan in the 80s is when they began shifting from a defined benefit plan to a defined contribution plan. So not surprising, we go from that 5.7% to that 45% of households. So as employers, whether it's the uh, you know, private employer, whether it's the nonprofit or whether even it's even the government, the responsibility for planning for your retirement and investing for your retirement has shifted from the entity for whom you work onto you. And in accordance with that has been this explosion and growth in terms of mutual funds. And to me, embedded in, in that dynamic with regards to mutual funds is the social and economic element to it. And of course, Politics, because that always plays a role in in how we invest and how we work. That's also connected, though, to how we work in that. You know, if you were of my mother's generation, you know, she was born in the 40s. That generation typically worked wherever they worked for like 30 years, right? You, and you worked for the same employer and at 25 years you got your watch. <laughs> um, but that model is long gone. And today even the way that you know, most people work and, and it's due to a lot of economic and employment factors, they say that the average man stays at his place of employment for 4.3 years and for a woman it's four years. So when you combine how we invest and just looking at it simply through the lens of mutual funds, and you also look at how we work in that we're no longer staying with one employer for 30 years, right? Now you're going to have multiple employers throughout your career and your average stint is going to be less than five years. It is requiring that a lot of people have multiple streams of income and take great, greater control of your financial security both in the moment and in and, and, and the future, and that you have a greater impact on the role of money in your life. And none of this is to be confused with the fact that you have been you know, responsible, taking care of your bills, all that other stuff. This is something different than that. And the reason why I'm honing in on looking at the history of money through the lens of how we invest and how we work are those are the two things that influence the most your ability to either generate wealth on your own or if you have inherited wealth, to continue the legacy of that wealth so that it doesn't disappear after one or two generations. And as is often the case, we tend to recognize a shift after the tipping point. So people didn't recognize that we were shifting from defined benefit plans to defined contribution plans at the precise moment that all of that was initially taking place. And the same for the shift in terms of how we work and how long we work. Typically what ends up happening is you notice it once it's affected you personally, right? So you or someone close to you, or you notice it when it begins to impact a cluster of people. So here's my point. Shifts are about change. And all change comes with emotions. And whether it's on the end of the spectrum where you're tapping into fear, grief, and confusion, or you're at another end of the spectrum where you're tapping into joy, gratitude, and happiness, shifts always bring about change. And so when we go back to the role of money and really tapping into the the point that i made earlier with regards to the value that people place on money has little to do with the physical value of it but it's more attached to the emotions that you have around it so your beliefs your expectations your experiences your mindset your fears your hopes your dreams all of which influence your behavior and your choices. And so when it comes to the history of money, here are two things that we can count on to be consistent. And that is that the mechanics will shift. So we started off with barter and trade. Right now it's all about mobile payments and virtual currency. Who knows what it will be five years from now, but we can rest assured that it will probably be something different than what we have right now. Even if we're still using some of the same tools, there probably will be something else in addition to. But just as we can count on the mechanics evolving, the other thing that we can count on is the need for self-inquiry and the need for self-awareness. Again, going back to the fact that We place a lot of value less on the physical form that money will take, but instead what that um, represents to each of us individually and collectively. And that is why I focus on the human side of money, and that is why we are dedicating this podcast to exploring all dimensions of money, the psychology, the emotions, as well as the math of it. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to today's episode. Let me know what you found most useful, what resonated for you. Does it inspire you to take any actions? Does it inspire you to look at money a bit differently? Let me know. You can send me a DM on Instagram or, you know, or just leave a comment when you listen to um, this episode, wherever you listen to it. So until next time, remember, it's about more than money.